Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so easy for us to like make an assumption that once we decide something, we can't ever go back to the way it was before or to shift to something new. Um, that decisions can sometimes feel like, okay, I decided that and now I'm stuck with that for five years. And it's such an important reminder that we are in control of our own destinies and we can make our own choices and change things after three days of trying something new if it doesn't resonate anymore. And if you're like, okay, I thought I liked this thing, but maybe I was just taking on this other person's energy and they were really excited about that thing, but it's not for me and that's okay. And to just accept that about yourself and to know that you'll be guided to the things that are right for you as long as you allow them in without judgment. Hi there, and welcome to the Let's Thrive podcast. My name is Emily Feichels, and I started this page to inspire, educate, and empower any who listen. Like most people, I'm a curious soul and love to chat with my guests on all things health, wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I hope you'll stick around for a time or two. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to the Let's Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and it's a pleasure, as always, to have you here with me today. And speaking of today, we have a very special guest and someone I've admired for years, literal years now, Rachel Connors of the infamous Bakerito blog, and as of late, The Cookbook. This feels like such a full circle moment for me and for you guys too, I hope, because Rachel is someone I've followed for years. I actually remember sitting in my high school classroom, and whenever I got tired of working, which was a lot of the time, let's be honest now, I would go to these five or six blogs I followed and just read them. I'd read all the blog posts, I'd search for recipes, and just daydream about going home and baking. And Rachel was among them alongside the good old ones like Cooking Kate and Minimalist Baker and I just remember I'd be sitting in like my AP English class and I'd be so brain dead from typing an essay. So when no one was looking, I just open another tab and be searching for recipes. And that was like my happy escape from all the work and the stress of school, which kind of funny. I actually had a couple teachers that used to tease me about it because I think they just found it very endearing that I was such a like goody two shoes student that my idea of like taking a break was searching for recipes. But I don't know. It's just funny now that I'm talking about it, to remember those days. So it was just two years ago, I was still in high school. My friend actually just sent me a video from February of, I don't know if that, that would have been 2018, I think. Yeah. And we were at our school snowball dance. And I was, I was dancing, guys. I know it may not seem like it, but I am quite the dancer. I, my friends will know this. Um, it's funny. I'm not skilled. I don't have any talent. But if you give me some good music and I get a good rocking outfit. In this video, I was wearing this gold and black uh, glitter full bodysuit. Guys, I looked pretty good and I was dancing away. And so it's just funny. Like two years ago, that was me. And I was passing time by reading these blogs and daydreaming about meeting these bloggers in real life someday. And now I'm here interviewing them for my podcast. So uh, that's fun. (laughs) But it is funny. Like, I know you guys didn't know me back then, obviously, but I was just such a different person and not in a good or bad way. I was just so different. Like, I don't think the same or feel or live the same. And 
back then, like, life was good, but it wasn't as good as it is now, mainly because my health issues just really made me feel stuck and lost and confused, and I didn't want to go to college, but I thought I had to, and I didn't know what my health issues were, but they were, like, killing my body, and, you know, life was just, as you guys know, high school, that's high school, I suppose, but, like, I do remember sitting in those classrooms and when things got hard, I would just, like, you know how some, you just, like, daydream sometimes? And I would literally daydream about going to Expo West and meeting these people I admired so much. And if back then I knew I would be doing what I am today, I don't think I would have believed it. I probably would have laughed in your face if you had told me that because it just sounded so far off that I would ever get to do these things that I do now. And... I don't know. Now I'm getting all sentimental, guys. So I'm going to I'm going to quit. But yeah, I'm just smiling so big now, if you can hear it in my voice, because sure, I still have plenty of days where I feel like hiding in a dark closet and shutting out the world. But for the most part, I think I've gotten my life to a pretty good part. And, you know, I'm ready to do more work to keep it that way. So end of my little sentimental spiel, I promise, but I'm eternally thankful for that, and none of this would be possible without you guys that support the show, support my Instagram, support me, and uplift me, and just endlessly grateful. I'm sending big hugs, big love energy to you all. So, done with the sappy stuff, on to today's actual episode. It is fun, because with Rachel, we go into a behind-the-scenes glance into the life of a food blogger and now cookbook author, So Rachel walks us through her journey to get here that actually involved a bout of depression in her younger years that made her, that really prompted her to start the blog. So she started the blog when she was 16 years old and going through depression and it's truly inspiring to hear how baking got her through it. I, we joke in the episode about those memes that say like baking is my therapy Well, as you'll hear in this episode, it really kind of was for her. So that was very enlightening in that we discuss other challenges she's had to overcome throughout the years from self-doubt to limiting beliefs, the battle between following your head and following your heart, what it really took to build a blog to this, this level and make a career out of it. And then we do dive into the behind the scenes of a cookbook deal and what that process looks like, which blew my mind and made me realize that if I ever do a cookbook someday, like God bless I do, uh, I better be ready to dedicate the time and energy because wow, it's crazy. (laughs) And I also asked her about like uh, choosing her cookbook cover art because I was saying how indecisive I'd be. And it is such a funny story. I will never look at the cover of her book again the same way. (laughs) Like It's just so funny. Um, she's just a super inspiring, fun-loving, big-hearted person, and it was such a pleasure to interview her and share her story with you guys, really showing you the face behind Bakerita and more of her personality in this episode, which is what I always want to do. And as I mentioned, she does have a cookbook coming out, which we talk a lot about in this episode. And it's due to be published on March 24th, I believe. So you can go and pre-order that now on Amazon, anywhere books are found. You get a free ebook too, which you'll hear us discuss all about in the episode. But guys, I'm just so excited. This is going to take my dessert game to the next level. So 
go do yourself a favor and pre-order the book or ask someone, you say, hey, you know, my birthday's coming up, why don't you pre-order me this book? That's always a good gift to give. You can find more of Rachel and her delicious eats and recipes at her blog, Bakerita, or her Instagram at Bakerita Blog. The book, as I mentioned, can be found on Amazon and other book retailers. Just search for Bakerita. And to find me, go to Instagram at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. Everything is linked below, and as usual, you can always reach out to us. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Both of us would love to connect, so keep that in mind. And you can always support the show by going to Apple Podcasts to leave a rate and review or even subscribe. The choice is yours. So without further ado, here's Rachel. My philosophy is I'm just so grateful that people donate their time to this. I really <laughs> like we can reschedule. I've had people reschedule like four or five times. I mean, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter to me as long as it you know, works out. So that was no worries. Um, yeah, of course. I know. I was like, why did I schedule the day before I moved? But you know, it feels like it's all in the right timing right now. So I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> things always seem to, you know, either pop up or work out. So <laughs> we'll, we'll make it happen. But how is the weather there? Good. So, I see the sun behind you, but oh, we're- yeah. yeah, we have, it's probably like 70 out today. It's always nice here. I like crave days of rain, which is so funny for people who live in cold weather places. But I'm like, please, some rain. I just like want an excuse to hang out on the couch. <laughs> I know it's a rainy day here, and it is funny. I have a couple friends on the West Coast, and yeah, uh, we always want to swap weather for a bit. They want my snow, and I want their sunshine. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> totally. Where do you live? So I live in like middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, pretty really cold. cold. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited though. I, I'm going to expo next, next week. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I'll be there too. We have to meet up and say okay. hi. Yes, definitely. I, I never know who's all going because I know some bloggers, they, they don't want to go and then some do, but yeah, I don't know. I just love it. Cause I get to see so many people, you know, <laughs> and the free food. I mean, that's a plus, but. Oh my God. I always leaving there just feeling like I've taken in so many things. It's like such an overwhelming experience and like eating a thousand different kinds of food, but it's always such a fun day and get out of it what you can. Exactly. Yes, I know. Yeah. And for me, it's the nice weather. I'm just like, get me out of here. So yeah, feel that too. (laughs) Yes. Well, perfect then. So to start off, do you mind just giving a little introduction into who you are and how, how you would describe the work you do? Yeah, so my name is Rachel Connors. I run the website bakerita.com, which has tons of recipes, mostly baking, that are all gluten-free, dairy-free, and refined sugar-free. And I have had my site for 10 years, which is pretty wild since I was 16. I'm 26 now. Um, And it has not always looked the way that it currently does. Um, It started out as a baking blog that had all sorts of treats on it. Definitely not healthy, like insane eight layer cookie dough cakes and definitely not the more health conscious um, recipes that I have today. Um, And the evolution of that has been through my family's eating journeys and health struggles, particularly my sister and also my own evolution and realizing how I could heal a lot of the emotional things that I was going through by changing my diet. 
um, and finding an audience and wanting to share that with them um, through the things that made me happy and light me up and make me super excited. Um, so I guess that's sort of a brief introduction to what I do. Um, and I am also now an author. My I was book, just actually. going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like, it's so funny um, thinking of myself that way. The book hasn't been released yet. It comes out actually a month from yesterday on March 24th. Um, and so that's also been such an interesting journey and has like brought out so many things for me that I thought I had gotten over. Um, and it's, but it's been such an incredible, amazing process throughout the whole thing. So I love it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll dive into that later, but yeah. you know, one thing that you said that really stuck out to me was the fact you literally started this when you were 16. Now, everyone yeah. listening, imagine where you were at 16. Now, not, not putting like, you know, anyone in a corner, but I mean, how did you get started at 16? Like, let's just start from there. What prompted you to, you know, start baking and cooking and, yeah. you know, sharing it all at such a young age? Like what, what prompted you to do that? Yeah. So it actually came out of probably what is the hardest part of my life um, up to this point. Um, around that age, I had some stuff going on in my family. My parents have been divorced since I was four years old. So I really only remember them being separated and they've always had an incredible relationship and been incredible co-parents to my sister and I. Um, and around that time, I was starting to go through some emotional turmoil with friends and not really resonating with some of the people that were around me anymore. And my parents were actually trying to get back together. So I just had this like reckoning of feeling like everything around me was changing, including my family structure. And I didn't really know how to handle that. And both of my parents have a history of depression. And I just sort of like spiraled into this like really dark place of being really depressed, not really knowing what my life looked like, just being really confused um, about everything. And through that, like I had always liked to bake, but I sort of took that on as a way that I could sort of get out of my head. And so I started baking a ton, bringing so many things to school and sending it to work with my parents. And I just, that was my like escape from the world. And it was really my sister's idea that I start sharing it online. She read tons of food blogs and I didn't even really know what food blogs were. It was like pre-Instagram, pre-Pinterest, like none of, it wasn't as commonplace as it was today. So she's like, why don't you just start sharing it online? You've always liked to write. And this would probably be a good outlet for you. So I took that, I like started a Tumblr blog <laughs> and just started posting my recipes, never expecting anyone to see it, but just using it as like my own personal outlet. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't think I ever imagined at that time that it would become something that I would be doing for the next 10 years or something that would end up being my full-time job. Um, it was just a way for me to not escape, but almost find myself in a way um, and be able to share something I was passionate about with, without having the pressure that it felt like I was having in school and family and just in my day-to-day -day life. Um, so it had just allowed me a place to open up and share what I was passionate about. And 
eventually um, I found community in that space and was able to share with the world and getting feedback about how these recipes were able to like uplift people and how they would share it with their family and friends. And it just like brought me so much joy. Um, and I kept going through like the whole, my whole experience of depression, which lasted a couple years. I had some pretty traumatic experiences with medication. Um, and I was put on a dose that was probably meant for someone who was twice my size. Um, and then my doctor took me off of it cold turkey, which is something that should never happen. Um, and it sent me into like a couple months spiral of like incredible, horrible side effects and withdrawal symptoms. And it was really emotionally traumatic for me, but having my blog was sort of a place for me to escape that. Um, and eventually I, I never went back on medication after that two years of up and down and trying to find one that worked for me. And in a lot of ways, food was able to help me figure out how to cope with that and like changing my diet eventually to being gluten-free and dairy-free and refined sugar-free. I realized how much my food could affect my emotional state. Um, so that's a long-winded version of that story and how I started that at 16 years old and how in a lot of ways having that blog was kind of like a savior for me um, and gave me a space that I felt safe and comfortable with a group of people who really supported me. One, thank you for sharing that with us because, you know, this, the entire meaning of this podcast is to share, share those things, you know, that aren't always easy to share because that's what relates to people. And that's what, if anyone's feeling alone going through something like that right now, that's, mm -hmm. you know, what's going to relate to them. And, you know, there's a reason that we all, you know, as, as much as we joke about it, about, you know, baking is my therapy and <laughs> too stressed to do anything but bake. Like it yeah. is true. I mean, I have a good friend who, you know, she has PTSD and she always says that baking is the one thing that can just, you know, kind of like quiet that chatter in your mind or yeah. for me, you know, like same as I'm sure it was for you. It's just so therapeutic. Like you're using your hands, you have to use, you know, a bit of your mind for focus. And it's just, I don't know, you know, it's almost like a dance, a dance in the kitchen. You're just, you get lost in the movements. And so I, I love that you found that, you know, at that age and it was able to really change your life. I mean, that's amazing. And, you know, what you were saying about being able to start without the pressure of it being anything else, I can imagine that was, you know, huge for you then. Because when you're going through something like that, you want this side hobby, you know, to, to just yeah. be fun, to be an escape almost. You don't want it to have the pressure of like, can I uh, pay for my rent this, <laughs> this yeah. month with how many recipes I'm producing? So I can imagine that was, you know, amazing for you in that time. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said about it, like being a dance and being something that you can use your creativity to kind of flow through. And I know for me, like I've always been pretty controlling of my environment and my circumstances and the structure of baking really spoke to me that I'm like, okay, I have to measure these things out and make sure that everything's in alignment, that it's going to rise correctly and the flavor is going to be right and the texture is going to be right. And it allowed me to sort of like channel that perfectionism in myself in a healthier way. Um, and so that was just like a wonderful thing for me to find and experience. And it obviously also allowed for the, the creativity of 
playing with flavors and experimenting with different kinds of textures. So it was like this perfect harmony of perfectionism while also allowing my creativity to flow. I love that. I've, I always say I'm a recovering uh, control freak and <laughs> I, I still, I, I still have my moments uh, that are pretty bad, but you know, I never really thought of it that way though, you know, with baking, but it is true. And you know, or if you cook, whatever it yeah. is. Um, and I feel like that is, that's like a good safe way to channel that perfectionism control. Um, so I, I really like that. I, I think that'll hit home with some people because I, I hadn't heard it put like that. So <laughs> yeah. why well, I am curious, what was your favorite recipe? Like when you started out, I know you said at the beginning you were making the like seven layer cookie dough cakes, but yeah. <laughs> what was your favorite recipe of yours then? So we can get a little insight into what you were baking. Yeah. So I've always really loved making cookies and bars, like still to this day, it's one of my favorite things to play around with because I think once you nail like a really awesome like cookie base or brownie base, like the options are limitless and you can just sort of do so many things with like an awesome cookie dough. Um, so that's always been one of my favorites, still is to this day. My cookbook has like tons of cookies and <laughs> brownies and bars in it. Um, so yeah, I think that that would have to be my favorite. I mean, whenever anybody asks me of what they should start with from my site, it's always my paleo chocolate chip cookies, which are just like my favorite thing in the world. The thing that I make the most often, they're pretty much always in my refrigerator. <laughs> well, I'm a sucker for anything chocolate. And I know oh, yeah. I was trying to think the last thing I made of yours, I think were the, um, they're like peanut butter and jelly brownies or Ooh, yeah. like little brownie but something there because I just remember yeah. I was in heaven because it's chocolate <laughs> it's peanut butter and it's jelly so it's like all my favorite combinations in oh, yeah. one and so yeah <laughs> you're like the dessert queen <laughs> oh thank you I appreciate that so much I've always had like the biggest sweet tooth in the world so I don't think it was a surprise to anyone around me that I was gonna find myself a career that's centered around like me eating cookies and chocolate and peanut butter everything <laughs> honestly it's like what else can I do I know I always joke I'm I don't know I'm I have such a sweet tooth that I will prioritize making sure that I have like brownies in the afternoon rather than freaking meal prepping a meal you know it's like at lunch I'm throwing together all this crap from my fridge to make you know something edible yeah. and then uh sure enough for dessert I have you know brownies frosting I have everything ready to go for my sweet tooth but yeah an issue. I love that. I know I was telling someone the other day, I was like, my book is definitely made for people like you and me who like are totally sweet tooth driven. Cause I'm like, baking is like cooking is kind of something that everyone has to do. And like, you'll do cooking whether you really like it or not, because you have to eat food. But for so many people like me and you who just like love sweets and have that connection to baking and get so much joy out of it. Um, there's just like, something special about having that like extra decadent treat at the end of the day that just like makes you feel good and like warms your soul in a way that like some food can like good comfort food but it just feels more decadent and just like such a treat to yourself and your soul and all the things oh yeah you're, you're speaking right to me <laughs> and I am curious we were talking about you know you started the blog but then when did Instagram come along yeah, so Instagram started, I think, when I was a freshman in college, um, and I started it initially just, like, as my name. It, 
I posted baked goods, but it wasn't necessarily super associated with my blog. And I think I must have changed it probably my junior senior year of college um, to be like bakery to blog and start posting more about that. And I just loved the community that I found on there. It was so different than it is today. It was much more Insta, like the Insta part of Instagram instead of like, oh, I'm going to post photos that I took on my big digital camera and edited and now they go up. It's like, no, you took a photo of the brownies just after they came out of the pan um, and shared that. And it was just such a fun way to find community. I didn't really ever focus on building it. Um, so it was very much a place of just connection and finding community. Um, and so it's been so much fun growing that audience and finding people to connect with and getting messages from people who tell me that they just found out their son is gluten-free and they were like, oh my God, what do I do? And then someone told them about my site and they started following my Instagram and like they realized that being gluten-free doesn't mean you never have to be able to eat a cookie again that tastes good and gives you the same satisfaction as a gluten cookie. <laughs> um, so that's been just like such a uplifting and like soul warming part of Instagram is just finding those people and being able to connect with them in a different way than having a website does. Oh, definitely. It's just, you know, it's an entirely different ballpark. And I mean, nowadays you can have, you know, Instagram and blogs are, I feel so different that, mm -hmm. you know, I've interviewed people before where like they had their business based, you know, like their food photography business based off Instagram, you know, with tons and tons of followers, lots of income coming in and no blog, you know, and then there's yeah. the people like you, Rachel Mansfield, uh, yeah. you know, Britt from the banana diaries, like oh, yeah. you have this beautiful blog and then you have your Instagram and it's, mm -hmm. you know, funny, even reading the writing styles is different. Like there, it's yep. just so neat to see how both can be, you know, their own platform, really bring in their own different types of audiences. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think that's a powerful tool to be able to utilize both. Yeah, yeah, they're both such fun and different platforms to manage. Um, and I always have tried to keep my website as more of, I guess that like, that's where I generate most of my revenue and I've sort of like kept Instagram obviously I do do sponsored posts and such on there um but I've kept it as more of like a sacred space for me to just be myself and communicate with my audience in a way that feels more authentic and that's definitely something that I'm still working on um it's like so scary to post things that are vulnerable on there I like will post something on my stories and be like oh my god why did I just do that and like rush to delete it because I'm like so horrified and then I'll like see a couple messages come through of people resonating with it and I'm like okay next time you don't need to delete it like let's leave it and allow that vulnerability to be up there because that's what that platform is made for and what allows people to connect with the person behind like the curated feed. Definitely. I mean, I, I found that, you know, when I first started out, I was following a lot of beautiful food photography, food blogs. Mm -hmm. uh, as I've started to really prioritize who I follow, you know, who I'm investing my energy and time in by seeing their posts, it's the people like you and Brett and, you know, mm -hmm. like I said, Rachel Mansfield, not to name the same ones, but you're all yeah. so personable, you know, like you might not always, you know, be posting your face or, you know, pictures of yourself or on your stories, but when you do, you just feel so, you know, like I said, personable and, you know, it's like, I could talk to you and that's what makes it, you know, easy to reach out and say, 
you know, hey, I have a question about your recipe or hey, can you come on my podcast? So I think from my perspective, you're doing a good job. So (laughs) thank you so much. I appreciate that so much. And I've had some experiences with people that I follow and I'll meet them and they seem so different from how they do on Instagram. And that just like feels so icky to me in a lot of ways. And so like one of the greatest compliments that I can receive is when I meet people in real life and they're like, oh, you're exactly the same as you are on Instagram. And I'm just like, I don't know how to be anyone else other than that. And it would feel so disjointed for me to like put on this front to talk to the world when my purpose on there is to connect with people. So. Yeah. And I mean, like we were talking about uh, Expo West before starting mm-hmm. and that's like, that was one of the most, so I went last year and yeah. that was one of the more overwhelming parts to me was meeting totally. people that seemed, you know, ve- they're very different in real life than they are online. Uh, not always in the best way, you know, in my opinion, like I just, same as you, like, it's just crazy how, how, I don't know, people can really separate themselves. I'm just so I'm like so invested in things, you know, like if I'm going to share myself on social media, I'm just like, here's me in all my glory. (laughs) Don't expect anything different. So, Uh, but you did mention college in there. So real quick, Mm -hmm. like what did you go to college for? And, you know, in that time, when did you decide that doing bakery was going to be your job? You know, like that was going to be your, uh, your degree of sorts. Yeah, so I went to a really small school up in Washington called the University of Puget Sound. It was actually had a smaller, um, I don't know, graduating class. No, the whole school, the whole school's population um, was smaller than my high school. Oh. Um, so it was like a total change for me. I went to a huge high school with 4,000 kids and there was, I think, like 3,500 at my college. Um, but it was like a really nurturing space for me. Um, and I knew that I wanted to continue Bakerita in college. So when I was touring places, I was like, do you guys have a kitchen in the dorms? Does it have an oven? <laughs> like, I need this as my outlet, um, especially since like a lot of that stuff with medication happened my senior year. So I was kind of in a more tender, vulnerable place and I wanted a place that felt supportive. Um, so I went in studying international business my whole family is in business and I like grew up very business-minded have always really loved it also and so I went in to study that and had really no idea what I was going to come out doing Um, but business is what I was familiar with and excited about so I went that route and along the way I had some incredible professors that really encouraged me um, and loved what I would do it was doing and would like give a lot of recognition to it Um, and I took one class called the economics of happiness that was like incredibly interesting. And we did so many studies about how the amount that you make once you've met your basic needs does not make you any happier. And it's like been studied so many times over that, like, once you have your food, your water and your shelter, like the amount does not affect things very much. So I really took that and was like, okay, like this is something that's important to remember coming from a society that tells you that your worth and your happiness is going to be based on the number in your bank account. Um, And so that kind of like started me on the path of like, okay, well, maybe I can do this thing that brings me so much joy full time and maybe I won't make as much as if I went into finance. Um, But it had me sort of 
start considering that. And then I took a couple entrepreneurship classes and had another incredible professor that really encouraged me to do Bakerita. And I was getting close to the end of my senior year and having that freak out that probably every senior in college has of like, what am I going to do now? Um, and I applied to a couple of jobs that were in like the food editorial business, like doing food photography or styling or things that I felt really good about. And I wasn't really getting responses or the jobs weren't in places that I wanted to go. And my dad actually, he's like, really encouraged me. And he's like, Rachel, you're never going to be able to jump into this as easily as you will right now. When you don't have a job to quit, you don't have a family that you need to support. Like you just have yourself. And that's all you need to prioritize is like you and your happiness and go and try it for three months. If you are really struggling financially, like I'll give you some assistance just to like get you through. And if after three months you're not doing well and you keep asking me for money and things aren't in flow for you, then you'll get a job. Like you are smart enough that you can go and get a job if this doesn't work. And I am like so grateful for him giving me that encouragement because it allowed me to get past my self-doubts. Um, and so I went and I did that and it was super weird, like going and trying to find a lease and they're like, okay, what's your job? And I'm like, uh, I'm my job. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. I don't really have any proof to show you that I can make a living, but please give me the apartment. Um, so it was a really interesting time of just figuring out what I was going to do, especially because Bakerito was in this really transitional place of being like half gluten-free recipes, half regular recipes. I didn't really know which direction I wanted to go in, but my personal dietary habits were shifting. And so I was like, all right, let's go full-time. I'm going to switch Bakerita to being fully gluten-free and like, let's see how this goes. And I am so grateful for the way that it worked out and that as soon as I stepped into that place, like opportunities just kind of flowed into me and I was able to turn it into a full-time living and haven't looked back since then, which it's been, I think, five years. And it's completely wild to think about that process and how it's evolved since those days. I absolutely love that. And I think it's something that a lot of us probably do go through, just that questioning of, you know, what's right or, you know, kind of like that battle of the head and the heart. What are you going to follow? And I know when I left college, I was, you know, I just wanted to leave because I knew that what I was there for wasn't right for me at the time. But, you know, I was just so afraid to make the leap. And similar to you having your dad, I had a few people just tell me like, you can always go back. But, you know, I had health issues at the time. And they're like, but you can't, you know, your health issues aren't going to get better. So, uh, you know, you can always go to college later, but why don't you like take the time and, you know, heal and work on these side projects? Because it is true. Like you'll never have, there's never will be a perfect time per se to do something like that, to take that leap. But if you can just, you know, go for it and kind of have a backup plan, know what, you know, remind yourself of your options of, I can always get a job again. I can always, you know, move back home for a couple months, you know, just, remind yourself that it's not like all or nothing mentality. You're not going to fail. You might not do as you expected, but it'll all work out. Like it, it actually will. You're, as long as something's not going to kill you, you will be fine with it. So 
I love that you took that leap and just started it and went with what felt right, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so easy for us to like make an assumption that once we decide something, we can't ever go back to the way it was before or to shift to something new. Um, that decisions can sometimes feel like, okay, I decided that and now I'm stuck with that for five years. And it's such an important reminder that we are in control of our own destinies and we can make our own choices and change things after three days of trying something new if it doesn't resonate anymore. And if you're like, okay, I thought I liked this thing, but maybe I was just taking on this other person's energy and they were really excited about that thing, but it's not for me and that's okay. And to just accept that about yourself and to know that you'll be guided to the things that are right for you as long as you allow them in without judgment. Definitely. Yep. And yeah, just remain open, I guess. <laughs> that's all yeah. else I'll say on that. But yeah, you know, and what were some in that time of making the leap and really mm-hmm. taking bakery to full throttle what were some self-doubts or, you know, limiting beliefs, fears, et cetera, that came up to almost stop you or, you know, just sort of hold you back if you experienced any? Like, I'm just always curious to hear what came up for people when they're making these decisions, these paths in life and how they work through them. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that came up for me a lot then and still comes up for me, it's still something I'm working through. Um, is just like feelings of self-worth around having the blessing of being my own boss and when and like seeing money come in and feeling unworthy of it Um, and so I think that was something that I've really had to reckon with have definitely gotten better about um, but still comes up a lot for me lately, like trying to sell the book has been a really interesting experience for me um, because I just love to give things away to people and I like feel so weird about selling. Um, And so I've been like blowing through that space of recognizing my own worthiness and that what I've created has value. And that was something that came up so much then in getting my first sponsored posts and getting my first ambassadorships of like, why did they choose me? And it's a constant reminder of like, they chose me for a reason. They are recognizing my value. And when someone outside of yourself recognizes your value, the best thing you can do is to accept that and know that they're giving it to you for a reason and remembering it yourself that you do have value and that what you've created is worthy of attention and love and that you're putting it out into the world and what you want back is to receive it. And the best way to receive that is with grace and gratitude and not pushing it back and wondering why it's happening. Um, So definitely still something I grapple with so much. Um, I think probably most of us do. And yeah, I think that's was probably my biggest thing. Still one of the things. So I, I absolutely love that. And I agree. I mean, I know for me, and I'm sure you get that too. It's it's almost like all that old saying of, you know, keep your eyes on your own road. You're not trying to compare yourself to other people's paths, journeys. And sometimes when I have my day off, because I work part-time jobs and I do this. Mm-hmm. So my day off might be a Monday. So on yeah. Monday, I'm finally taking time to kind of kick back and relax while working still from home. And then I get flooded with all my friends that are in corporate jobs. And I just yeah. get so much guilt. You know, it's like, 
oh, I can't complain about being tired. Like, look at them. But Mm -hmm. I have to remind myself, like, this is my path. That's their path. You know, I chose this. They're going that path right now. Who knows? You know, like, it just, it's just so important, yeah, to not get swept up in, you know, because it is kind of like comparison sometimes where you're comparing what you're doing or how you're feeling to others. So I, I don't know, I feel as though, as you said, like a lot of home-based entrepreneurs might feel that way or anyone, you know what I mean, with whatever journey you're going on. So yeah, I, I definitely agree. Yeah, it's it's so easy to get sucked into the comparison trap, especially with all of us like showing the best versions of ourselves on social media and through so many of the things that we do, it's harder to share the parts of yourself that you're not super proud of. And so we don't recognize those in people and you don't see someone's like moments of self-doubt and their breakdowns and their struggles. And it's so important to remember that like we all go through these emotional waves and not everybody is like super happy and motivated all the time that we're all struggling with things and that no matter how many Instagram followers someone has or how much money is in their bank account that so many of the things that we struggle with are universal and we all feel each other's pain and should empathize with each other instead of having judgment around those things because like we're all in this together. (laughs) No, truly. I mean, it's, it's like there's two sides to every coin, you know, for every one thing you see, there's another side to it as well that you might not always see. And you you mentioned that you felt that a lot with the entire cookbook process. And I did want to touch on that because it's, I mean, that's huge. That's a big thing for you and your business and your brand And so I'm just curious, like, I I think a lot of people don't understand what a cookbook means as in the (laughs) workload. I have another friend who's making one right now and she hasn't, you know, been able to release the news of it to the public yet. But I mean, the amount of work she's doing each week makes me want to cry (laughs) because I can't imagine it. So can you like walk us through what that process was like so that people can understand how much work, time, energy goes into these beautiful and amazing books that you guys create. So, you know, maybe they feel a bit more uh, inspired to go out and support. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, So I think it's been over two years since I first had this cookbook consideration. Um, It's been kind of a journey in that I got a cookbook deal the publisher I was originally with got bought out by another company. So that fell through. Um, And with my agent, we went out and found a different publisher and it turned out to be such a blessing because they are such a better fit for me. So it was such a moment of like, okay, things happen for a reason. I'm going to give myself one day to be sad, but like the deal that comes next is going to be the right one for me. This clearly wasn't meant to be. Um, And the work that goes into it is pretty unreal. Um, it's, I think it's pretty standard to get about six months to write, test all the recipes. I also photographed my own book. So I had six months to develop all the recipes, make sure they were perfect. And definitely a place where my perfectionist tendencies came out. Um, and I was like, these aren't going to be in print. I can never edit them on my site. So I need to make sure they're absolutely perfect. So my house was just exploding with baked goods for six months. Um, And then of course, doing all the photography and styling myself added a whole other layer to that. 
Um, and then after you're done with the writing, which I think a lot of people would probably consider to be the hardest part of the process, um, you have the whole editing phase, which is just like rereading the words that you've written so many times over um, to make sure that you're communicating in the way that you want. And that gets super tedious because you have read these things so many times. Like I look at my book now and have a hard time. It's not that I have a hard time being super excited about it, but it all just feels, I'm like, I've seen this so many times. It's like not as exciting as it once was. Obviously, there's so much joy in like holding it in my hands and feeling that creation. Um, but it like you put so much time and effort into it that you're like, okay, I've seen all these all these words a million times at this point. Um, so after the editing phase, there's sort of like this dark period where it's off to go get printed and you're like in this sort of limbo phase of not really being able to announce it yet and share the creation with your audience and also not like prepping for the launch yet. And then moving into the launch phase, a lot of people who have written books told me that they're like, this is the most exciting part sharing with your audience. Um, but for me, that's really been the hardest part. Um, like I mentioned, I like have this discomfort with selling that I did not really realize I had until I had to start selling this book because it's really the first thing that I've sold to my audience. Um, so it's been this interesting reckoning of asking for help, of asking people to support this thing and not wanting to do it out of do this because it helps me, but do this because I know it will add a lot of value to your life. And like, I created this for you and I want you to have it because I think it will make you happy and bring joy into your life. Um, and so communicating that and figuring out how to sell in a way that feels authentic to me has been a really interesting process for me to grapple with. Um, and it's, it's been eye-opening in a lot of ways. It's showed me a lot of my insecurities, but that's also been a blessing because it's showed me places that I need to do work on myself that I don't think I would have had to grapple with if I hadn't gone through this process. So it's been a lot of fun, a lot of work, a lot of emotional labor as well as the physical labor. Um, but it's been one of the most rewarding processes in my whole life. And like seeing it come to life, it's like a, a birth of a part of myself. Like it's the past, the culmination of the past 10 years of my life um, coming into like this physical being that will land in people's houses in a month and that I hope people will flip through and like read the words and that it will resonate with them and that these treats will come into their lives and then be given to their family and friends to add joy to everyone's lives who it touches and visualizing that for me is what's been able to help get me through that harder part of it. Um, just knowing that no matter how many people it is, no matter how many books that I sell, that it will have an impact um, and will hopefully bring some joy and sweetness to everybody's lives who it touches. It's shifting the mindset from yeah. I'm just selling this, you know, for money, etc., to exactly what you just said, where it's, you're reminding yourself of your why, of why you created this and why you want people to get it because it's going to help them. So that's just hearing you speak about it gave me chills because I was like, I just think cookbooks are such a beautiful thing because 
they've always been such a part of my life. And I know, you know, for anyone that's, uh, you know, a fan of the kitchen, cookbooks are those things, you know, whether you had them as a child, you know, they've been passed down, whatever. It's, there's just something so special about pulling out a cookbook, getting your recipe instead of, you know, where you go online and there's so many, I don't know. It's just something special. And it's, obvious from from when you were just speaking how passionate you are about this and how much love and work went into it and I did have one question that came up but I am curious how did you decide on the cover picture because (laughs) I am very indecisive as in like don't even take me out to eat because it will take me 10 minutes to decide what to yeah so indecisive I could never for I mean creating a podcast cover art name everything yeah took me so long because I couldn't decide like I could never pick a cover that would like because I can change my podcast cover I've already changed it three times (laughs) well it's really cute just so you know (laughs) I know this one's to stay this one's oh my dogs uh this this one's going to stay but yeah but so oh my god okay one second oh you're totally fine my dog's ears are perking up (laughs) oh my lord so sorry our one dog when he gets excited he'll just like knock over our older dog and it gets bad oh no but yeah (laughs) so um back to wherever I was at how did you decide then on the cover like what was what was your elimination process like for that okay so I'm so glad you asked that question because the cover was was a funny process for me um I shot all the recipes in the book. Um, and the photo that ended up being the cover was I'm pretty sure the last photo that I took for the book. Um, and I styled this tart. It's a chocolate hazelnut tart with strawberries on top. And I styled this tart and I brought it over to my boyfriend, Kyle. and was like, what do you think of this? Like, does this look okay? And I think it was because I already had like a little doubt that it didn't look right. It was not styled the way that it is on the cover now. And he like looks at me kind of skeptically and he's like, yeah, that kind of looks like the way I would have decorated it. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, so it sucks. And it was like the one recipe that like made me cry. We were rushing off to an event. I had no strawberries left. I was like, I do not have time to make this. Like all these photos are due in like two days. I need to get this done. So I go back to the kitchen. I took all the strawberries off the tart. I washed them, re-sliced them in a different way, used my blow dryer to like remelt the chocolate so it didn't look so wonky. And I just like restyled it in this new way and took the photos and was still kind of like, oh, this stupid tart, like so frustrating. Why did the last recipe like have to go so badly? and turned the photos in and was just like whatever hopefully they like this photo enough for it to just like make it in the book and they don't make me reshoot it and a couple weeks later they like come back to me they're like so here's some ideas of like recipes that we have for the cover and I like scroll through them and I'm like oh I really like that one I really like that one and like the strawberry tart like no it like is triggering to me (laughs) like I can't even look at it because it like brought up all these emotions of like, oh my God, how frustrating was that day? Um, And my editor's like, okay, I will go back and ask everyone like what they think. And I get an email a couple hours later and he goes, okay, so they, all the people in the room unanimously chose the cover with the chocolate hazelnut tart with strawberries on it. And 
I was just like, oh no. And my agent calls me and she's like, what do you, what do you really think about this being chart? And I told her the story of that. And she was like, I totally understand where you're coming from, but it is a beautiful photo. Like this will make a good story <laughs> when you're doing press for the book. She's like, just let it happen. I'm sure it'll grow on you over time. Um, and so like for the first couple months, I was like, oh no, like this photo that caused me like so much stress. The only photo in the book that like had a stressful feeling behind it is the one that ended up on the cover. But now I look at it and it just kind of reminds me of all of the hardships that came up through the book. Um, and just like makes me feel proud that I was able to overcome them and that like this photo that once caused me stress now allows me to feel a lot of pride and joy um, and lets me overcome those feelings of self-doubt that I felt around that photo. And now I love it. And it's been such a flip in perspective to look at it and look at it as sort of from a place of strength instead of a place of lack. So that's the story of the book cover. I didn't really have that much of a choice because they like unanimously chose it. And I said, okay, I mean, you guys are the experts. You know how to sell the book. <laughs> if you guys think this is what we'll sell, then let's go with that. And I'm glad that it's the one they chose because I, I think it's a beautiful photo now. And I think that just my perspective of feeling the stress around taking it is what caused a lot of doubt and not the photo itself. Um, and so being able to sort of flip that perspective and see it from a more positive aspect has been really fun and eye-opening and allowed me to see that in a different light. I mean, very symbolic. The picture that gave you the most self-doubt becomes yep. the symbol of the project that helped you work through said self-doubt. I mean... I think, it, yeah, it worked out pretty perfectly. Plus, you can't go wrong with anything chocolate on the cover and strawberries and hazelnuts. I mean, I'm just a sucker for that combination. But I know I, I definitely think your cookbook, it just something about it just draws people right in. And I'm not just saying that like I'm, I'm always I've always been very particular about cookbook covers. <laughs> Uh -huh. I've always been like, oh, they should have used that picture or something. But yeah. I just thor thoroughly love yours. I just, like I said, think it's the chocolate and the strawberries and just so beautiful. Oh, yeah. But that is truly, you know, the more I was thinking about it as you were speaking, the fact that you photographed everything in this book <laughs> is next yeah. level amazing. So I, I'm so excited to just get it and flip through it and share all about it. But, you know, that being said, where where can people find it buy it like where's the best place because this episode will be out before the pre-order stage is over so if people mm -hmm. listen to this in true time they can still go out pre-order it get it before the big release day but where do you suggest people go find it you know best deal best dealer whatever <laughs> Yeah, um, so Amazon is just the easiest place. If you have Amazon Prime, it will be delivered the day that it gets released, which is always fun. Um, and they also offer like a pre-order price guarantee. So if you order it now and it drops to a lower price, you'll get it at whatever the lowest price ends up being before it comes out. Um, and yeah, so Amazon's the best place. I'm also offering like a pre-order ebook incentive because I, 
I know it's super frustrating to order a cookbook and then have to wait. So I created a little ebook with seven exclusive recipes that aren't on my blog, aren't in the book. Um, they're just on this ebook that you could only get through pre-ordering. So there's a lot of fun recipes in there. There's like an olive oil chocolate chip skillet cookie that's like, oh my God, it's out of this world. <laughs> I need to make another one soon. Um, so yeah, I would say Amazon's usually just the easiest place to get it. It's also available on like Barnes and Nobles and most websites where you can pre-order books. Perfect. Well, I'm so excited. And yeah, that'll, I'm just, I, I love cookbooks. So that'll be, it's like Christmas morning all over again, whenever I get <laughs> a cookbook or anything fun like that. So I'm so excited for you to see it and for everybody to see it. Um, it feels surreal that it will be in people's hands so soon because it feels like on March 24th, it's like a little piece of me will be delivered to all these people. Um, and being able to flip through it and to see people start making the recipes from it, I'm just so excited for that to start happening. So, so grateful and ecstatic for the opportunity for people to have a little piece of my heart in their lives and hopefully it will add a lot of joy and sweetness. <laughs> no, it, it certainly will. And where in the meantime, before, you know, whether they don't get the book yet or they're thinking about it, can you just mention your website, your blog, and then Instagram one more time? Super easy. I love your name because of that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So my website is bakerita.com. It's like baker with an ITA at the end of it. And then on Instagram, I am bakerita blog. Perfect. What an episode. I got to interview one of my childhood idols, Rachel Connors of Bakerita, and I'm just still over the moon, so excited. Uh, she's just such a beautiful soul, and this was such a fun conversation. I love taking someone that a lot of people know, or like a brand, blog, etc., and just diving deep into their journey, their story, to really show you all sides of their personality. And I think we did a great job of that with this interview. So round of applause for Rachel because she did phenomenal. And if you're interested now in learning more about her or getting her cookbook, you can find her on her blog, Bakerita. And on Instagram, she is at Bakerita blog. The cookbook of from Bakerita is found on Amazon and anywhere else books are sold, go ahead, pre-order it, order it, do whatever you got to do to get this book because it will up-level your dessert game so much and just make you so happy. Like, I can almost guarantee it will make you happier in life. So, go ahead, get that, and let Rachel know what you think of this episode of her cookbook, and you can connect with me on Instagram at Emily Feichels or at Let's Thrive the Podcast. We appreciate you all and let us know your thoughts on this episode. We'd love to connect. Thanks, guys. Bye.